Welcome to the Millennial Career Playbook's company interview series, which focuses on corporate cultures worth knowing about if you're a job-seeking millennial or simply enjoy working in millennial-friendly environments. This series offers you company-specific information you won't find anywhere else, helping you decide if a particular firm is a great fit for you, and also offering you tips on how to most effectively land a job with the company. I'm Debbie Woldrich, CEO of outsource training company TTC Innovations, which specializes in providing corporations with customized millennial-focused training solutions. Hosting this series with me is best-selling author Haya Bender, whose credits include five dummies books and a complete idiot's guide, and articles for the New York Times. Please frequently visit our The Millennial Career Playbook website at tmcpb.com, as we're always adding new interviews and other content. Joining Hi and I today are John Atz and Barry Barber, the CEO and Human Resources Director of the highly innovative engineering firm Kemley Horn. John and Barry, can you introduce yourselves and tell us a little bit about your roles at Kemley Horn? Sure, Barry. Would you like to go first? Sure. I'm, I'm Barry Barber, and this past weekend celebrated my 21st anniversary with Kemley Horn and served as the Director of Human Resources uh, of the firm for the last probably 16 years. I grew up in Baltimore, Maryland, went to college at Wake Forest University in Winston-Salem, North Carolina, joined Kimley Horn in 1994, and I came out of the public accounting world. I spent the first nine years with a big 864 accounting firm, KPMG, have been with Kimley Horn since and have had a terrific experience. My name's John Atz, and I have been with Kimley Horn since August 12, 1987. So in my 28th year, I was um, born and raised in Jacksonville, Florida, graduate of uh, civil engineering degrees from Clemson University in South Carolina. have been with Kimley Horn since I got out of school and have been in a variety of roles, primarily client service in my, in my early career. And then in 2009, I became president and have had the good fortune of serving in that capacity since then. And can you share with our audience a little bit about the company? A little bit about Kimley Horn. We're approaching our 50th year in existence. We're largely a engineering consulting firm, but we have grown over the years beyond just civil engineering, which is our roots, and other disciplines like landscape architecture, environmental planning services. We touch most of all of the things that you interact with in a day, whether it's the home you live in in designing residential subdivisions to the road you drive on on your way to work, the office complexes that you work in, or perhaps even the airports or trains that you may travel on if you go to visit others. So much of what we do is the infrastructure that supports people's needs. We are perhaps a bit unique in that we are privately owned, and we feel that that's something that our employees and our clients both benefit from. What are some of the things that makes Kemley Horn & Associates such a popular company, especially for millennials? Barry, why don't we tag team a little as we do this? I, I think one of the things that distinguishes us a bit is that we don't really have one career path. There's a lot of flexibility that we provide to people to follow the things that are of interest to them. A lot of organizations will be very hierarchical, very much 
you're at one step and then you move to the next and you move to the next and, and tenure plays a lot of role in your advancement and development and being given opportunities. We tend to be much more focused on giving people the freedom to pursue the things that are of interest to them and if someone is performing well, we're willing to give them you know, more rope and continue to allow them to grow at a pace that's consistent with what they're comfortable with. And so. I think we tend to see a lot of our younger staff gain experience at a at a very fast rate, particularly in our industry, because I think we're a little more a little more free in allowing them opportunities to explore the things that that they have passions for. I definitely agree with the the opportunity for folks to take responsibility early in their career. People that tend to do best with Kimley Horn are those that are very proactive and really take the ball and run with it and also have a bent towards uh, relationship building. And because the, the nature of consulting is that when our clients are buying our services, they're essentially buying our people. And so we need folks who are obviously very technically competent and very creative in their problem solving, but also have strong relationships. And so that's the type of people that we tend to seek out. It's also the type of people we tend to attract. And so that works out well. Once a person joins our firm, we try to have a good balance between on-the-job learning and, and training. And, and the reality is that's where mm -hmm. most folks have most of their development take place is just working side-by-side side with, with more senior and experienced professionals. We believe that they have the opportunity to work with the very best in the industry when they come to Kimley Horn. But we supplement that with a variety of training programs. Some of those training programs are technical in nature. Some of them are computer and software skills related. And then others that are just focused more on how to be successful as a consultant, whether that's in things like people skills and self-management skills or project management and communication and just general consulting type skills. You're talking about coming into a group of experienced people, more experienced than the person who's coming in, and learning from being within that group. Are you referring yeah. to a, a mentoring relationship, or are you referring to something Yeah, else? I mean, with, mentoring is certainly an important element of, of things for us. We do not have a formal mentoring program, per se. We have found that if you try to legislate or organize or dictate mentoring relationships. It's just, there's something unnatural about that. And what we have found is that we are more effective when it's a bit more organic. We certainly do things to encourage mentoring relationships. We work with our more experienced people and try to teach them skills and how to be effective mentors or, or supervisors or developers of people. We put some things in place of, for example, our staff, each has an allotment of coupons that they can use to take a more experienced person to lunch each year to pick their brain on a variety of career topics, really, of, of their choice. There are various forums that we have in offices where our younger folks will essentially self-organize and invite more experienced people to come and meet with them on topics. But it's more of a, as I use the word organic, more of an organic grassroots kind of thing as opposed to 
person A is mentor for person B and person C is mentor for person D. When we tried to assign that kind of thing, it just it doesn't work. No one person can help a person develop in all areas. And so we believe that a person needs a variety of mentors, different people who can help them grow in different ways. And that for us takes place a bit better in a more informal approach as opposed to a formal approach. Well, it fits with the philosophy of your company. It makes sense for, especially for a consultant-based company. So it's very individual-driven. So if I'm understanding you, it's on his or her shoulders to seek out as little or as much help as as that employee wants. What you're doing is you're providing a support system for seeking out that help, but you're not forcing anybody and they have a freedom of of reaching out to uh, a variety of different people for correct help in different Absolutely. Areas. and i would i would take that a step further and in, in just saying that the kind of our culture of our organization is a very flat organization and so while i may be ceo and while barry may also be a member of the board we routinely have brown bags with junior staff we hold training where we bring all of our relatively new hires together and we actually participate in that training. I take new employees to lunch I and mean, there's a lot of things that we do to break down any barriers between, we'll call it the executive branch of the company and all staff so that it's a much more free and open environment. We try to have a lot of forums where it's just open Q&A, where we discuss anything that's on the minds of staff. In fact, we had a training class just last month where I lead a session that is simply what's on the minds of our younger employees and what are the things that they feel are important for their development, for their growth, for our firm. And we have an open forum discussion for several hours on it. So there's an element of trying to break down impediments to relationship building with people at all levels of the company that gives folks the freedom to approach virtually anyone at any level as they're developing within our firm. Is that same experience shared at the local locations with the managers as well and in making sure that it's pretty open philosophy of come in with any questions and making sure that everybody feels comfortable in the environment? Yes, we are very strong advocates for yeah. open door. Yeah, I, that, that was what I was going to ask is along those lines, is there anything else that you do to encourage an open door policy? I'll ask just, one I more. Just, I'll, I'll make one yeah, more comment and then Barry, I'll, I'll let you go as well. I think one of the things that we do is we really try to encourage people to ask why we do things instead of simply trying to understand what we do. We don't want a company of lemmings that we tell them, go to the policy manual and it tells you what to do in this circumstance. In fact, we don't have a policy manual. Our, our mindset is much more, we want folks to understand the culture of the organization, what are the factors, what are the things that influence decision making, and then by understanding the philosophy behind kind of why we do things and how we do things the way we do, we feel like it enables folks to make decisions on their own that are consistent with the culture of the firm. There's an intentionality in really trying to get people to be engaged in understanding the organization and feeling like a part of it, not simply they can read the rules and regs manual, which, which doesn't exist. 
Okay, thank you. Barry, you wanted to? I think I would just echo what John has said. I mean, we are definitely a firm that is more about culture and philosophy and guidelines and ways of thinking as opposed to here's the magic formula for how you're supposed to handle situations. And if you go back to what we said earlier about trying to hire people who are self-starters but also are relationship-based, if you have the right kind of people, that's an environment for them to thrive. When we, several years back, it's been many, many years back now, I guess, we articulated our, our core purpose and it's provide the environment for our people to flourish. We didn't say we're going to make it so everybody flourishes. What we said was we're going to provide the environment. So that's what we do is provide the environment. And that's really what it's about. And you'll hear conversations like that is, is this the environment where people can flourish? I'm, I'm in a meeting for several hours this afternoon and all day tomorrow in a particular office where that's really the, the fundamental issue we're trying to address is are we having, are we creating the environment in this office where people can flourish? And granted, no one's guaranteed that they will, but will they have the opportunity? And will those folks who are self-starters by nature, who are relationship-based by nature, will they seize the opportunity and thrive? And one of the questions that I would have then is how quickly could a new hire coming into the firm expect to start taking on some of those and demonstrating their ability to to lead and be a self-starter? How quickly would they be in a position to be able to move forward and start taking on some responsibilities in the company? Gosh, well, I guess it depends on what the nature of the responsibility is, but I'd second or third day. Wow. You know, everything's relative, of course. Sure. And we're, But we want people from the beginning to begin taking responsibility for the success of the firm. And anytime you bring new people into the firm, and we hire a lot of people, there is an integration process that they go through. And so our integration process is based on trying to have the person be an effective part of the firm meeting its goals and of building the culture uh, of or understanding the culture of, of the firm. And different people get there in different amounts of time. But my point of second or third day is there's nothing in our approach that says it can't be immediately. And there certainly are people that in their very first few days in the firm see something and have an idea and begin implementing. And, and an example would be that if there's an office where a couple new college grads come in and there's not a, an existing vehicle within their office for the younger folks to get together, whether it's socially or professionally, they can start something. And we would love that. And that kind of thing happens you know, on a regular basis. And so there, there's nothing that prevents a person from coming in and having an impact from day one. And, and obviously, the type of problem they're trying to solve or that they're able to solve is going to grow the longer they're here. But we want people very quickly to begin thinking about how can I really contribute and make this a better place. Let me come at it as, as well in a, kind of from a different angle because it's very mentioned at the beginning of just kind of so many different perspectives on the question. Most of our employees, the vast, vast majority of our employees, 
their primary role is to serve clients, to provide professional consulting to clients. And so there are very few people that are, in a, in a sense, there's very few people that are in really managerial type roles. Most people are in outward facing client service roles. And we are very intentional in trying to empower our young staff to be able to go to meetings with clients very early on, to be able to understand the nature of the discipline that they're practicing. Now, obviously, you, know, you have to have accumulated some level of technical expertise in order to take on certain levels of, of say, design responsibility, but there's not any prescribed, you, you have to have worked here X number of years before you're allowed to meet a client or be a project manager. As soon as folks have shown an ability to demonstrate a, a, an ability to do a task, then we're looking for opportunities for them to, to lead that task. So it, it's fairly free in that regard. Obviously, one of the things that is very important in today's working environment is that work-life balance. So what kind of things do you have in place to ensure millennials coming in feel like they have the opportunity for work-life balance? Tony, you want to take that? You want me to take it? Uh, why don't you go first, and I'll, I'll play clean up. Yeah, yeah. Let me start by saying that the consulting business is tough. Anytime that you're in a, a situation where essentially you are the service, that is hard. And as a firm, are positioned as being a, a very high-quality service provider, and so our, our clients expect a lot of us, and we deliver. And we really want to be worthy of the trust that they put in us when we are hired by them. And so, so whether that the type of consulting we do, engineering, planning kinds of things, or whether that's folks in the legal profession, the accounting profession, or any other professional services firm, it's a tough environment. So that's the space that we operate in. And, and as an organization, we have very high expectations for ourselves. We have high expectations our clients have expectations of us, or you know, it's it's all the way across. It's a high expectations kind of a kind of a culture. So that in and of itself produces some tension in the work-life balance area. And and so our people work hard, and that's just kind of part of, of who we are as an organization. That said, what we try to emphasize is flexibility. You're going to work hard. You're going to work pretty pretty heavy hours, but you need to have some flexibility in terms of when you work those hours, where you work those hours, all those kinds of things. Now, obviously there are challenges because so much of what we do is done in teams and you need to be in proximity to your team, particularly those that are younger in their career, need to be closer to those folks who have more experience to keep them between the rails, if you will. And so the way we approach it is, again, is just trying to use good common sense relative to flexibility with schedule and those kinds of things to help a person along the lines. We are really looking for the more senior folks in the office to keep an eye on their younger staff and when they're people that are working hard and coming close to burnout and whatnot, they're trying to say, hey, it's time to go home. Our people are, in addition to the consulting business being a challenging one by its nature, our people tend to be very driven. And, and so sometimes there's, a, I'll say, their own worst enemies at times. And so we try to keep an eye out on those that are really busting at encouraging people to find the balance. 
I'll add a couple things. I obviously agreeing with everything Barry said. I think there's a piece of it is having an open dialogue, talking about it. It's a topic virtually any time we get any group together. It, like many things, like for example, the classic you know time management of someone who comes out of school and and they're adjusting to to life as a professional. You know, how do I manage my time? I see work-life balance as being similar and. Everyone will have a different approach to what works for them, different tools or tricks or things that they do. And so part of what I think we're very intentional on is talking about it, acknowledging that it is a challenge that folks will face, that there are different things that people can do to seek and find balance that works for them, to allow them to develop professionally at the pace that they want to develop professionally while also having the personal life and the, and the family demands and all of the other things that they want to keep in check and, and moving as well. One of the other things that we do as an organization that I think helps is, unlike most organizations our size, we operate it as a single profit center. And by that I mean all of our parts are interchangeable. And so when we have substantial deadlines, let's say, in, in one location, it's very easy for us to bring in additional resources from other locations to try to help fill in those gaps of demands for clients. So the group that has a big deadline and a lot of work to be done they're not stuck having to do it all on their own. They have the rest of the resources of the firm to come alongside and try to help them in getting their deadline done in a manner that doesn't put too much demand on each individual within that group. That's exciting. So they have an opportunity to kind of do an all hands-on if something big is coming up and they can share their resources with each other. So yeah, I, I'm in a, I'm in a, I'm, I'm, vi I'm visiting an office today that I haven't been in in you know, probably a year and was talking with, a couple of folks, and apparently there's a, a large project that we knew was on the horizon, and the phone call came yesterday that said, hey, great news, it's time to get going, and oh, by the way, we need the first deliverable in three weeks. Okay, that schedule is extremely tight, extremely yeah. challenging, and what one of the folks said to me, and this was somebody who has, I think she's been out of school for about three years, she said, time to put out the call for help. And, and what she was alluding to was it was time to talk with the folks within our organization who are responsible for coordinating what we call shifts, which bringing in people from other offices to help when we have these types of challenging situations emerge. And so to me, it was kind of both encouraging as well as instructive that a person who was relatively young in her career already realized what John just described, that you can reach out to your partners in other places to help you when you get into tough situations. And my guess is that this isn't the first time that she's been on, she's probably been on both ends of that situation in the, in the past few years, both calling and asking for help as well as being one of the persons that's called upon to help when someone in another office or another group has a challenging deadline. There's a lot of support mechanisms put into place naturally in your organization. And that team approach and the let's all work together for the common cause is obviously ways to encourage that. One of the things that I read about the company is that your position of the vice president of fun and that each of your locations has somebody who is decked to that role. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah, we have in each of our offices one or more people that you know, is designated as the vice president of fun, and it's their role to see that there are a variety of formal and informal 
gatherings to enjoy, and, and sometimes it's uh, as formal as planning the picnic or the holiday party, or it may be it's Thursday at 4 o'clock, let's make sure somebody goes out and buys some ice cream and stuff for ice cream sundaes, and let's make some sundaes. Or we just had a recent win, and let's recognize that, or we just met a, a big deliverable or made a, a big deliverable for a client, let's celebrate. And so it tends to be our high percentage of the, the VP of funds tend to be some of our younger staff, you know, tend to have the creative ideas and the energy for doing those sorts of things. And so again, it's a combination of formal plans, put it on the calendar, a good bit out kinds of things, as well as some impromptu types of celebrations and just work breaks, if you will. And that's something we budget for each year. We allocate money in our budget for use for those sorts of activities. And frankly, we encourage people to be creative. So uh, there's no telling what someone will do. And there's very little oversight on it. I mean, we, the intent is for folks to be able to do some either planned or, or somewhat spontaneous items. So a few years ago, as part of a kind of a culture campaign, we did a food drive across the entire company. And we, we split all the offices into two different teams, and everybody got to use their natural competitiveness in a very positive way to collect food for all the local communities. And in the end, we helped out a lot of people, and everybody had a good time and you know, learned a little bit about setting goals and achieving goals. It was a relatively spontaneous way that folks got to have a little fun while otherwise serving clients on what kind of times be aggressive deadlines and schedules. A certain number of millennials feel a drive to make the world a better place, to save a world. I'm wondering what about your company in terms of what you do day to day serves that need and also beyond what you do as a for-profit company if you have programs in place to support like the thing you just mentioned where you're doing the food drive. Barry, you want to talk a little bit about the Kinlinghorn Foundation? Yeah, I'll, I'll do that. Over a decade ago, we established the Kimlehorn Foundation, which has the objective of giving back to communities in which we work and serve and live. And so essentially what happens or has happened is that the firm has made annual contributions that have been designed to do two things. Number one is to establish an endowment, and then which allows us to have a sustaining element, as well as as we're building the endowment, funded an amount for current gifts. And so each year we go through a process, and right now we're actually at the, in, right in the, the middle of that process of soliciting requests for funding from our employees. And we have certain criteria that need to be met for a person to be able to receive funding. But essentially, there are a half dozen or so causes that we support. Most of them, not all, but most of them are focused on the underprivileged of our communities. And it's basically if an employee volunteers their own time working with an organization, then they can request funding for that organization. And so we're essentially where our employees have sweat equity in terms of working with an organization, we're able to provide funding for that. We'll generally have many application requests or funding requests from across the country or from across our firm. We'll end up funding a, a good number of them each year. I've had the pleasure of being on the foundation board since the inception and have, have been the chairman of the board of that of the foundation for the last several years. And I would describe that annually one of my most enjoyable 
and gratifying experiences is reading all of the different applications for funding because you, what you're able to see is people who you know are doing phenomenal things for the company and serving clients that they're also doing phenomenal things in their community. And then it's, it's neat to see company dollars that have been paid into the foundation be distributed to those organizations and to really recognize the work that our folks are doing. And so that's been, a, been going on for, I think, probably 11, 12 years now. It's really become a very ingrained element of our firm. John, do you want to hit the, the project piece? Maybe. Well, yeah, I was going to say there's, an, there's another that maybe wouldn't be quite as obvious component, and that's the nature of the business that we're in mm -hmm. has us working on lots of projects across the United States trying to solve issues that are very much in the fabric of communities. For example, I mean, it's just the one that just jumps off the top of my head. We were doing some work in the city of Austin, Texas. As cars go through downtown, they're able to trip the sensors for the traffic signals and have a progression, and so they're able to flow through downtown more smoothly. Well, that capacity doesn't exist for bicycles, but we've created a software application that actually allows bicyclists to run a program on their iPad while they're riding their bike that will help synchronize the lights and allow the bicyclists to drive through downtown, much similar to a car. There are many projects that we do trying to help communities deal with the issues that they deal with, whether it's growth-related issues or sustainability issues, compliance with things like Americans with Disabilities Act. I mean, all of those are needs that communities have, and the nature of our relationship with many of our clients is to help them solve their needs. So. I think a lot of employees find it fulfilling that they get to work on projects that they see a direct connection back to their community. It could be anything from a, a new water plant to extending lines to an underprivileged community that hasn't had utility service to dealing with flooding in, in areas of low elevation. So I think there's an element of just the nature of the type of projects that we work on that I think encourages some folks because they feel a tangible reward in the stuff that they get to do. Any tips you can offer to someone who's seeking to prepare for a career at your company? For us, we are so focused on personal characteristics and seeing that it's a person who we think has the right kind of, I'll use the phrase DNA to be successful at Kinley Horn. We need people who we believe will be strong technically, and you know, that's certainly an element of our evaluation. But I think beyond that, it's really looking for people who take initiative, who are self-starters, who are natural leaders, and also people who are skilled in relationship building skills and people skills in communication. And so we have made a kind of a marked emphasis on not overweighting GPA, for example, in our evaluation. Instead, we're looking for people that have more of the total package. And so when we go to college campuses, for example, the last several years, we've hired over 200 college graduates directly into our firm. When we go to college campuses looking for prospective recruits, we're very interested not just in what organizations a person belongs to, but 
what was their role in those organizations and how do they really make a difference? So it's not just were they in AFCE, which is an organization that many civil engineers are part of, did they have a role within ASCE? And if they had a role, what exactly did they do with it? We find that kind of really drilling down and trying to understand, has the person shown the characteristics of being assertive, of being a self-starter, of taking the initiative, whether it's in high school, whether it's in college, whether it's as part of a summer internship, it's not just checking the box of, yeah, I've done that, but it's what have you, I've had that sort of a role or I've been in that place. It's what have you done there that gives us a sense of what you'll be like if you come here. It's the involvement, it's the impact. And one of the things that I think that plays into is we're all going to naturally be more likely to do that in things we're passionate about. And so find organizations you'd be passionate about making a difference in. Don't go to the one that's just automatically, oh, that's where all landscape architects are supposed to be in this one or all engineers are supposed to be in that one. If, you would, if you're more likely to make an impact in a fraternity or sorority, go and invest there or the water skiing club or whatever it might be or, or some kind of volunteer activities. Help us to see that you're a person that wants to make a difference, that wants to take initiative, that wants to can be a self-starter and is able to navigate human relationships in an effective way as you're doing that. And those are the types of people who are going to be most attractive to us during the recruiting process and ultimately most successful with us once they join. That's excellent. I would add communication skills are just critical in our, in our business. Certainly the ability for folks to be able to speak to a varied audience. You know, if folks have, for example, been involved in different organizations or been involved serving underprivileged folks or traveled and have more of a conversational ability to relate to different groups, that's important in our business. We often are doing things like leading public hearings and facilitating neighborhood meetings. And, and that requires a level of being able to stand up in front of a group and carry yourself well and certainly is an attribute that we like to see in prospective employees. Are there any key things that an applicant could put in their online application or on their resume? Is there a way that they could word something that would make them stand out? Barry mentioned that just being involved in things, but talking about kind of what you did and demonstrating some passion for things. So if someone simply says they were engaged in certain organizations, that's not going to carry near as much weight with us as someone who talks a little bit about what they did in an organization. And we, we talk about self-starter. I mean, there's, there's an element of what did you do because you were passionate about doing it, not because somebody made you do it. We tell you where the bar is so you can make sure you're just over the bar, but rather people who do what they think is important, do what they think is right, and through that, their passion, their drive shows through. So I would look for that type of narrative more than simply a list of organizations I was involved in. Barry, you want to add to that? Yeah, I agree. And I think that it's not just the, the list of organizations or how high your GPA was. I do think that the person who's grade point average is a good bit lower than maybe might be identified as ideal or desirable, probably 
would want to flesh out some of the thought process or some of the background. I mean, I was putting myself through school and working a whole lot of hours or involvements in certain organizations that may have gotten in the way of some of the academics. So there's a piece of helping to round out the perspective, so really helping to understand what the person is going to really bring to the table for us. And I think it's good any time that someone wants to apply for a position somewhere that they at least do a nominal amount of research. I mean, with, you know, with everything that's available on the Internet today, anybody can quickly find out some things about the company that they can weave into their cover letter or, or their resume that shows that they've invested a bit of time, they've shown a bit of interest, and that certainly is going to get noticed. In terms of applying for a job, do you have any kind of nitty-gritty tips? The more geographic flexibility a person has, the better. You know, we're a firm with offices throughout much of the country, and the more flexible a person is in terms of where they're willing to work is going to certainly provide more opportunities. If a person needs to work in a particular community, that may be great you know, if we have a need in that community. Um, at the time, uh, we may or we, we may not, but in almost every situation, we have a need somewhere. And so the more that a person can be flexible in geography is an important piece to be aware of. I would add that I'd extend that flexibility, especially earlier in someone's career, to the type of work that they're willing to do. We do such a wide variety of stuff that sometimes I feel like some people have come looking for employment with us and they have restricted what they're willing to do to such a tight range that they've made it very difficult for it to be a good fit where being you know, open to whatever opportunities come up and then adapting along the way and, and morphing. I mean there are certainly just from a mechanics we like many companies like for people to apply online it's a way that we can track and follow people kind of through the system make sure that they get scheduled for interviews and Certainly appreciate it when people call and follow up, show some initiative on their part. Frankly, owning your own career, we'd like to think that it's, it's as important to you to get a job as it is to us to get you a job. So it, it's nice to see that or, or perhaps more so to not see the absence of that. Once someone is hired, are there any kind of fundamental tips you might offer that would help ensure their success at the company? Barry, I'll let you go first, and then I'll add a few. It's really taking the ball for your own career, and it's being focused on growth, about making a difference. There are a couple of things I think that, to me, are very positive qualities of our organization that might be a little bit unique, and one of those is that in our world or in our firm, asking for help is a sign of strength, not a sign of weakness. I mean, obviously, it's not just going asking questions and pestering people all day long because you can't make a decision or you don't know what you're doing. It's seeking out advice and counsel. It's getting other people's perspectives. It's when there's a challenging situation, getting other people in the boat with you or in the tent with you in order to make a decision. And so that sense of, of really reaching out and being very consultative is a key element. I think in an interview, John did, he said something about lone wolves don't work well. Yeah, lone rangers. Yeah, oh, man, yeah we, we talk about, we use the phrase no lone rangers. And it's that sense of consulting with others, being a team player, really thinking about 
the success of the team as opposed to yourself. And I, I think that kind of comes to the next piece. There's this interesting dynamic, which is the more that a person focuses on the success of their team and the success of the firm rather than their own success, more the, the more they themselves will be successful. And if the person who focuses exclusively or predominantly on themselves, that person tends to be less successful in our organization. We really do talk about focus on making other people successful. And what's great about that is that if everybody's focusing on making other people successful, collectively, we're going to be hugely successful. Those are some things that maybe are a little bit counterintuitive to most people or to most organizations, but they're very core to who we are and how we operate as an organization. And so it's that being willing to consult, being willing to help, being willing to focus on the success of others. And then there's just a piece of just do what it takes. We're a firm that has a lot of strong self-starters and we're blessed by having a lot of people like that. And so recognize that in our firm, there are a lot of really, really good people. The level of talent in our organization is disproportionate, I believe, compared to most organizations. And that's what makes us really successful. And so realize that that's the kind of firm you're coming into and be really, really ready to, to jump in and, and work hard and lock arms with others. And let's go be hugely successful. Let's really serve the heck out of clients. Let's do some amazing things with client service. It makes our organization really work. You know, there's a level of selflessness that I think is seen as a strength, not a weakness. And no one's ever going to follow someone who they feel like their priority is themselves, not the greater team or the firm or the client. So I would only repeat much of what Barry has said. Do you have any other tips that you'd like to share for millennials? Well, just a few things, and then Barry, you can close. I think certainly would ask that folks are interested in us. They can certainly start just in looking at our website, trying to get a sense for who we are and where we are. I think we're very active to the folks that are still in college. We're very active on college campuses and would certainly encourage folks to participate in career fairs that we are active in across the country. If we happen not to be a regular attendee at your university, certainly would encourage folks to reach out to us and express their interest. We are more than happy to go to different universities. We're always looking for new, better talent. So, Barry? Yeah, I would, would absolutely agree with that. And we are, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but we are actively engaged in many campuses, but we routinely hear from and folks who go to schools we don't visit, and we are thrilled by that. I assure you, we look very closely at the, the resumes of folks as they are interested in coming to Kimley Horn. And then there are obviously many people who have already begun their career. It's reaching out if you are in a, a location where you have an office, reaching out to people you may know who work at Kimley Horn and asking for their help or, or insights. We're just, again, as John said, using our website as a means of expressing interest in us. I would be remiss if we close this without at least making one more comment. We are very much a reward performance, a performance recognition-based organization. And so often folks who are driven to do well, they want to grow professionally, and they're looking for a place where they feel like they can be recognized for that, will tend to enjoy the environment that we have in our organization. 
Barry and John, thank you so much for giving us your time today and sharing your expertise about your company and insight. You guys were wonderful. Uh, a really rich interview. We really appreciate all the wisdom and depth of information that you provided. Well, it's our pleasure. We thank you for expressing an interest in Kimberly Horn. We hope that we've been able to give something that helps a millennial in trying to decide uh, what they're interested in as they follow their passions. Hi, and I thank you for listening to this interview. Please frequently visit our The Millennial Career Playbook website at tmcpb.com as we're always adding new interviews and other content designed to help you find a job or enhance your career. 